Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. You know, it's the, the pandemic is difficult as it has been and is still to some capacity. Uh, a pandemic doesn't change the promises of God. Jesus said he was going to build up his church and he's doing it. And he's been working behind the scenes. He's been working in ways that maybe even you haven't seen. And uh, what I want to do today is just highlight kind of why that is and how that happens. And, and thinking through and praying through, what do I say to the church as we open the doors back up? Um, what, what is the series going to be that we dive into and um, give four, four weeks of our life to? Um, that's how I came up with seeds, weeds, and trees. Y'all want to say it five times fast together like Haley challenged us to? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's really going to be a series about the Word of God, uh, the Spirit of God, uh, and then really how God wants to use His Word by His Spirit to do something in our lives. The truth is, we were not meant just to gather here on Sundays sing some songs, hear a sermon, and go out to life as usual throughout the week, right? Like this is supposed to transform us whenever we actually listen to God's word and we hear his truth. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter four. If you don't have a tangible physical Bible, we're not giving those out. We're not giving anything out right now. Uh, But if you don't have a hard like Bible, one of these, right? Please buy one. Start reading it. I'm not against uh, apps. Uh, I try to keep up with the technology, but I do think there's something different about having God's word tangible in your hands and being able to underline and highlight and not be distracted by notifications or texts that fly in. Amen. All right. Anybody been watching church on your phone and you get like a text from somebody and before you know it, you're like, well, church is over. Y'all had that happen? I did. So a little confession. Y'all, how'd that work? You were here. I go back and watch it. All right. Uh, So Mark chapter four. I want to read a story that, that Jesus taught about the, the value of his word, the value of Jesus' words, the value of scripture. Um, and if you have it, Mark chapter four, verse three is where we're going to pick up. Before I read, I want to give some context to, to what's happening here. Jesus has started teaching on, on a hillside and there were thousands of people that gathered. And Jesus did what he did very often. He, he actually got into a boat right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I want you to envision, if you will, just imagine um, someone started uh, talking uh, right there at the, the Charleston City Marina. And there's these boats around and big body water, Ashley River, Cooper River converging there. And let's just imagine someone started teaching and there were thousands of people gathered. Uh, Jesus said, I, I need your boat. Like, I need, I need your boat. I'm going to push out from shore a little bit, Right. And, and Jesus could see the whole crowd. It's a lot different than if you're standing on the shore. And so he gets in a boat and he pushes off from the land and he's got all these people and he starts teaching them. And, and as he's teaching them, Mark decides, hey, there's one story that he told that stood out, right? Like he's teaching like, I don't know how long he was teaching or how long the sermon was, but this particular parable stood out in Mark's mind. So much so that he records it for us along with some of the other gospels. And Jesus, in the midst of his teaching, he starts off this parable in Mark chapter four, verse three, by saying, listen, 
Like, listen, don't, don't miss this. Where's my elementary age kids that are in the worship service today? Can you just throw your hands up real quick? Like if you're in grade school, I see you, we see you. Can we welcome them to the house this morning? Yeah. We have you in here, not because of COVID concerns, but because we need more volunteers and A-Kids. Full disclosure. So if you're here and you go, hey, uh, I can volunteer for A-Kids, we would love that. But I have to imagine that on this particular day when Jesus was teaching, there was probably some disruptions in the service on the hillside, right? Now, I know my elementary kids aren't going to be disruptive. Y'all probably pay better attention than anybody else, right? Uh, but, but I imagine that there's all these distractions taking place and Jesus is like, hey, 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 listen up, listen, this is important. This parable is really important. Verse three, he tells them, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Still other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, when we hear stories like this about seeds being sowed or planting stuff, it doesn't really resound with us that much because most here don't plant anything. Amen. All right. We got gardeners in the house. Y'all, y'all do. Y'all grow your own stuff in your backyard, huh? Some of you are like, yep, did that during COVID. Listen, can I tell you a funny story? Back when uh, the, the, the quarantine first started back in March, um, Ashley, she was in the first service. My wife, she said, hey, babe, I, I really want garden boxes. We, you know, I, I want a garden. Yeah, we've run that play before. We, at our old house, we had garden boxes, or we had a garden box that ended up just being a box. Um, and I said, you know what, let's, that's fine. Let's, we'll build them. You know, got the boys out there. We built two big boxes. We stained it up, got all the dirt. It's kind of, it's a project, you know. She got seeds, planted them, and it was going good for a couple months. I think a couple weeks ago, I commissioned uh, two of my kids, Bryson and Brinkley, to go out there and clear out all the weeds from the garden boxes. Now we have two dirt boxes. Um, <laughs> We don't grow in things well in the Bowers family. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but back when all the quarantine started, all of us had to figure out what grocery store we were going to be loyal to, right? Like it was the grocery store that had your favorite food or toilet paper. You remember that? Everybody was scrambling for toilet paper. Remember that? Well, for me, I, I settled in on Walmart. You know why? Because East Bay Deli closed down and Walmart has the best cheesecake around. And y'all are like, what? Trust me on this. Okay. It's a hack. It's like $3.49, but it's really good. But I got really committed to Walmart, right? The grocery, right down the street. We don't think a lot about uh, planting and growing our own food. We don't think a lot about planting seeds and making sure the soil is healthy and what it takes to actually bring forth fruit or bring forth grain. That's just not really a part of our society. But, but Jesus' society was an agrarian society, which means they had to plant their own crops. They had to plant their own vineyards, right? They, they were out like... They, if they didn't do that, they didn't eat. They didn't have any food. And so Jesus uses an illustration from his day to explain to them the importance of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Now, the disciples, when they finished hearing this and they're walking away, out of everything Jesus said, the disciples come to Jesus and say, we don't understand 
that particular story. Jesus, can you explain that parable to us? It'd be no different than you getting in the car after a sermon on a Sunday going, I don't even know what he just said. Right? I don't even know. What, what was he talking about? And don't act like you hadn't been there before because you have. It's okay. Right? And, and the disciples say, Jesus, we need to know what you were saying. And in verse 13 of Mark chapter 4, this is what Jesus says. And this is an incredible response, and I don't want us to miss it. Because in Mark 4, verse 13, Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, what Jesus says is if you miss the point of this one, you miss it all. If you don't understand this, you won't understand any of them. Now, Jesus told some great parables, the parable of the prodigal son. Many of us know that story. The parable of the, the lost sheep, right? The leave the 99 and go get the one sheep that's lost. The parable of the lost coin, the woman who loses one out of 10 coins and looks all over her house. Jesus told some incredible parables. But this one, he says, look, if you miss the point of this, if you don't understand this, you're missing the whole thing. In the last sentence in verse 14, he says, for the sower sows the word. So what's the seed, right? Because the sower goes out and throws seeds. And Jesus says the seed is actually the word of God. This is the seed. This is what needs to get planted. See, I'm convinced over the last five, six months, one of the difficulties with the church, capital C Church, or difficulties with Christians, particularly in America, is that we've, we've mistaken the church for being the seed. Like, if I don't have the church, I can't, I can't grow. If I don't have a worship service, then how am I going to get my Jesus on? Right? Like, if I don't have Brandon preaching to me, like, where am I going to get the word? And what, what Jesus says here, and I think it's really important, is that the seed that needs to get planted is the word, and we all have access to the word. This is what needs to land in your heart. This is what needs to land in your life. I've been so convicted of this. I was praying with a man after our first service. The Spirit of God just said, walk over there, pray with him. In fact, I've never actually really talked to him in person before. I've seen him in our church. And, and I went over and just said, hey, man, I want to thank you for being an encouragement always. I want to pray for you. And he began to share something with me that resounded with me because I've been feeling it too. And said, you know what? Back in 2010, when I first got saved, when I first fell in love with Jesus, when I first experienced salvation, I need that love back. I need that back. I've been praying for that. I think about early on, back in like April, May. Man, I was so frustrated as a pastor because I'm like, how do I do what I do? There's no church. I'm like, nah, church is open. People are watching online. I know, but y'all didn't every week, right? I wasn't made to preach to a camera every Sunday. I'm made for people. I got to be amongst the sheep. Like, I love this. And I remember getting like fighting this tension of like, man, what, what is going on inside of me? And there was a mistake inside of me of thinking that what we do as church somehow can replace the goodness of just the word of God. We sing a song. It's like um, uh, that I'm, I'm forgetting it now. It's like nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Y'all know that song? I just want you. <laughs> you know what? If this thing whittled all the way back to just me as a worship leader, I could carry this place, okay? <laughs> uh, that, 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 that song, nothing else. Like, nothing else. Nothing else. 
think about those words. And I'm like, is that true? Like if all I got, if all I got is Jesus and all I got is his word. Is that enough? Is it really enough? Because the truth is it cut back to some of that back in the spring, maybe even into the summer and really tested a lot of us, like where our loyalties lie and can we really feed ourselves on God's word? Jesus says the seed that I'm talking about is the word. The seed is the word. Now, I want to show you something. No tricks here. This is a flower pot. This is a seed. And this is actually an acorn. This is a seed for an oak tree. So uh, planted right, taken care of well, this will grow up into a mighty oak tree. If you've ever been out to John's Island and seen uh, the angel oak tree started here, started with a seed. And, and what Jesus says is this, this seed has to get planted into good soil. Now, there's, there's a couple parts to this equation. You heard me say like the seed is the word of God. And it's true every single Sunday when you come in here or every, mo- or every morning when you wake up and you get into God's word yourself, the seed is being sown into your life. Your heart, your life, that's the soil. You're responsible for the condition of your soil. See, some of you like, you go, well, what do you mean? Well, there's a, Jesus says there's a path, right? And if the seed, which is the word, gets sown onto just a hard path, you ever know somebody that's just hardened toward God, hardened towards the church? I, I, I remember being hardened toward God. Some people are just hard and they can hear the word of God and it's just, it's just dismissive. Like it doesn't even land, like nothing happens. Maybe you find yourself in that place today. God says some soil is like uh, rocky. It's like rocky soil. There's rocks all in it, right? Hard things all in it. Like maybe there's some parts of your life that's just, you're hardened up. You go, what would that be? Maybe like bitterness. Maybe you're just angry. Like you, you got some unforgiveness towards somebody. Or maybe like God didn't do something you thought he should do. So there's this hard place. Like you're frustrated at God and you're holding on to that. And that's what's in the soil of your life, Right? And every now and then you hear like the word, you, you receive a seed and it may take some quick root, but as soon as something hard comes, you know, it's like, ah, you just bail out. Or maybe thorns, right? Some of you got some thorns in life. Jesus said that uh, the, the thorns are what come in and choke out the seed. It's the worries of the world is what Jesus said. Think about the thorn of like politics. Maybe you're more concerned with who's going to be in the White House come January after the election, then you are about the seed of God's word or the concern of finances, the worry of career, the worry of relationships, the worries of this world, y'all, they will choke out any seed that gets put into our life. Jesus says our responsibility is to be good soil. So when the seed gets delivered, because the seed is always good, by the way, Right? Like I think about um, times in my life where I heard preaching. Some of you are like, oh, man, that's some bad preaching. You ever heard bad preaching? Just put your hand up real quick. Listen, I've delivered some bad sermons. I'm not going to lie. But it's not the word's fault. The word's always good. The seed's good. Where it lands is where the problem is. Right? Because you can be in a place spiritually where you go and listen to a sermon and you're like, you know what? I can take something away from that. That's good soil and that truth can actually penetrate your heart. Same's true. You could also go in so hard to a church that no matter how good somebody delivers God's word, no matter how well it's sown into your life, you just resist it. Jesus says the seed has to get planted 
in your life. And the seed is always good. Now, here's what's really interesting in John chapter 15. If you'll flip over there real quick. Um, I just think the disciples needed a little more teaching on this because in John 15, Jesus begins to explain a little more this idea of like a seed and how it grows. And as it grows, it bears fruit. And in John 15, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He's got them gathered around. And he says in John 15 that, you know, he's the vine and that all of his disciples are the branches. In other words, if he were to look in this room right now, he wouldn't say that awakened church is the vine that you need to attach to. He would say, Jesus is the vine. You got to attach to him. And as disciples, we, we're branches that go out from Jesus and we bear fruit in this world. And fruit is always bore to bless other people, right? So we all would be like branches connected to a vine. Jesus says, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Apart from me, you can't bear fruit. But in John 15, verse seven, this is what he says. If you abide in me and my words, right? Everybody say words. My words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Man, y'all ever heard that verse taken out of context? Just ask what you want in the name of Jesus. It'll be given to you. You ever, you ever heard that? That's so messed up. It's not true. This is what Jesus is referring to that as, as his words, right? Because he says, like, remain in me and my words remain in you. What I've discovered in my own life, and this wasn't some quick discovery, but um, what I've discovered is when I let God's word like a seed go into my heart, and every day I'm putting seeds, sowing seeds of truth, seeds of Jesus words into my heart. Then what happens is my prayers. So whatever I would ask for begin to align with God's word. Stay with me here. Stay with me here. You go, well, uh, well how, how do I know, how do I know God's will for my life? Listen, as you put God's word into your life and you listen to scripture and you, you fill your heart with that, you fill your mind with that. It's amazing over time. You will begin to morph into the person that Jesus would want you to be and your desires become his desires. So then when you pray, you're not praying, God, help me win the lottery because I want a Lamborghini. But you might pray, hey, God, I want, I'm asking you to increase my generosity. Please bless my business ventures or God bless my, bless my tithe, bless my finances so that I can continue to be more generous. Right? So your, your prayer is actually for generosity, not for greed. Or maybe you, you pray, God, God, give me influence so that I can advance your kingdom, right? Like help me build connections and build a network and build relationships so that I can make your name known, not my name known, right? Like build your church, not my church. See, my, my point is, as we begin to put seeds of God's word into our heart, it begins to grow. And as it grows, we, we begin to align it with who he wants us to be. And his disciples are figuring that out. Now, what that means is, um, when, when you put uh, the seed into your life, so God's word comes into your life and you, you bury it, right? It's meant to stay there. <laughs> now, I, I, I tried, I was like, you know, what, what illustration, how can I make this seed grow right now? Because I need that to happen. You know, like, I, how can I make this thing sprout up, like, right now? Can I pour water on this and, like, Maybe I can make it grow. It'd be really cool if like a small oak tree came out right now, right? Wouldn't that, some of y'all were like, he's going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I can't. Okay. But I thought to myself, surely there's a way to like fast forward 
this process. And what's crazy is in John 15, when Jesus says, abide in me and my words abide in you. The, the Greek word, the New Testament's written in Greek, that, that Greek word abide is minnow. Everybody say minnow. Elementary kids, you just learned Greek at church. You go to school and tell your teacher, I know Greek, right? Nobody in your class will be there. Minnow, the Greek word minnow means to remain. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Then you will bear fruit. In other words, the seed has to remain in the soil if there's ever going to be fruit that comes from it. And no matter how hard I pray over this and wish over this and try to bypass this, this is a process that takes time. You can't beat the process of seed time and harvest. Like man-made systems, financial systems, y'all look, we can beat financial systems, right? Like you can cheat on your taxes and probably get away with it. Don't, but, but, but you, you can kind of work around man-made systems. You can, you can beat the justice system. You commit a crime, you got enough money, you get a good enough lawyer, you can get off. You can beat the judicial system. It's a man-made system. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it happens. You can beat the educational system. Anybody ever made a cheat sheet? Youth, put your hand up. Parents are watching. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Elementary kids, don't make cheat sheets, okay? But Christians aren't perfect. You, you, you can bypass, you can cheat the education. Anything man-made, you can figure out a way around. The, the principle, the system of seed time and harvest, God created that, and you can't fast-forward it. In fact, you, this is this is a good line for you to remember. You, you can't rush what's meant to just remain. And some of y'all are frustrated spiritually with yourself because you're like, look, I should be here by now. Why am I still cussing? Why do I still have this addiction? Why do I still have problems in this relationship? Why? You're asking and you're going, well, what would you expect? This is what it looks like in your life. You get the seed on a Sunday, right? God's word gets planted in, boom. You cover it up and you're like, I'm good. And then Tuesday you have a bad day and you're like, man, I'm taking that thing out. I don't need God's word, right? And you may not come to church the next Sunday because you're mad. And then you come and you get a good sermon. You're like, okay, I'm gonna go back in. I'm playing, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, right? And I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray really hard. God, give me that job or give me that kid. And then finally he does. He actually gives you the job that you prayed for or gives you the child that you long for. And then life is good. And when life gets good, what happens is, well, you lose a seed. Life gets good, what happens? Well, I don't really need his word anymore. So I just stray away. I don't even read the Bible. Like I don't go to church, but then life gets bad again. So what do I do? Well, I'm gonna plant it back in my life and it's like a seed can't grow if you keep transplanting it and pulling it out of the soil it needs to be in. And, and so often that's what happens when we come to church, we come to God's word, we go, look, I'll plant it in my life when things are bad. I'll plant it when I need it, but I'm not gonna remain where I need to be. And you can't rush what's been designed to remain. You just gotta stay. And maybe today somebody needs to hear this. Maybe God's saying to somebody today, just just stay. I don't mean just stay at awakened church. That would be incredibly shallow for me to say that. I mean, stay connected to Jesus. Like plant your life in Jesus. Remain in him. Let his words remain in you. That's when fruit starts to come. That's when you start to see progress. 
that's when you start to see, man, like I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm actually kind to people and I'm full of joy and I actually have peace and I'm reconciling in relationships. I'm forgiving whenever I'm offended. That, that's what it looks like to actually be a disciple of Jesus. But you got to remain in him and his words have to remain in you for that to happen. I want to close real quick with this story because um, I, I think one of the things that I've taken for granted over the last five months, six months, is every, every Sunday when we come in here and we've had services online, we've had a team of volunteers that we can pray together with. I've had a staff that obviously I work with. And I think one of the things that is incredibly powerful about church collectively is just the power of prayer. And when I think about us being uh, essentially separated for the last five or six months, uh, the truth is maybe some of you here need something specific that you need prayer for. And maybe you never tell anybody that. Maybe you would never go, you look, I'm having difficulty or I'm having challenges or maybe you would never confess. Man, I've really strayed spiritually. Like I haven't been close to the Lord. Maybe you've got some doubts that you just need prayer for. This, this song that we sang earlier, this, this God of revival. Here's, here's what revive literally means. It means to take what's dead and bring it to life. Right, like any, any seed like that, that the, the crazy thing about this acorn is like when it gets planted, the only way it ever grows is if it dies. And what's amazing, the seed has to die so life can come from it. It's really a picture of salvation that as we die to ourselves, right, then we find life in Christ. And perhaps you're here and you would say, you know what, the prayer that I need is, is really life in Jesus. I need salvation today. I need the seed of salvation, the truth of God's word to land in my life today. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You came to church because somebody invited you. Maybe you've been dependent on the church to grow spiritually, but the truth is you just need to come back to Jesus today. Can I just tell you, he's here with arms wide open, ready to receive you. There's nothing that you've done that makes you too far gone. There's no doubts that you have that are so large he can't overcome. You haven't disappointed him. You haven't shamed him. He loves you. He's a loving father. And he sent Jesus to die for you. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. And that's the seed of salvation that gets planted into your life. Maybe today you would say, I've made that decision. But you, you, need, you need the soil of your heart to be cultivated. That's where I found church to be most valuable. Church cultivates the soil of my heart. It takes the rocks out. It pulls the thorns away. And it makes sure the soil is good. So when God's word lands in my life, it actually can take root. And maybe what you need to hear today is plant yourself into a church where you can be cultivated. And when you hear God's word, it can do the work with those areas of your life that don't need to be there. And you got other people around you that are praying for you and lifting you up and encouraging you. But this is how I wanna wrap up the message today. If you're here, by the way, can everybody just stand up real quick? If you're here today and you would say, you know, I, 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 I have something in my life that's just kind of died off. Maybe it was a, a prayer that you were praying for and you just stopped praying. Maybe it's some dream that you had and you just let it go. Maybe you're here today and you would say, man, my, my faith has just kind of wavered over the last couple months and I need prayer for that just to be resurrected. I'm gonna ask you, would you just take a seat? If you got something specific you need prayer for today, just take a seat wherever you are. Nobody's gonna ask you any questions. I'm not putting a microphone in front of you. Now, y'all know, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that I believe in the power of 
like praying hands, putting hands on people and praying for them. In fact, it was two years ago, somewhere right over there that Ron Reed stood in this room, desperately needing a heart transplant. And the whole church extended hands and we put hands on this man and prayed for him. And God's faithful. God gave him a heart. Last week we celebrated his baptism. God changed his life, saved his life. Well, today, obviously, it would be foolish for me to have you lay hands on somebody and pray for you, especially with the distancing that we're trying to put in place. But here's what I want to do. If you're standing right now, count it a blessing that nothing came to your mind. And if you're sitting right now, we just want to have time just to pray for you. So what am I asked that you do? Those of you that are standing up, if you'll just kind of directionally turn towards the people around you that are sitting down and just extend your hands, please don't touch them, but just extend hands their way. And you go, I don't know the details. I don't really know the scenario. And what's amazing is we have a God who is sovereign. He knows all that stuff. You don't need to know it. But James 5 tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And so today, I just want us to take about a minute, maybe 90 seconds, and just pray over those that are sitting down. Pray over the scenarios in their life. Pray for God to revive, to bring back maybe whatever was lost, and to believe in faith that he can do it. Amen?